0: We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Man, well, good morning, Church on Bay Shore. Uh, very excited to be with you all this morning. Very excited to uh, get to just open up God's word as a church family. Uh, Michael already touched on this, uh, but if if this is your first time with us, if you're a guest with us this morning, we would love just to get to know you. Uh, I cannot just explain how good uh, this church is and just the uh, environment, uh, the life groups to our uh, students and kids ministries. Man, we want to help you uh, get connected. I also want to uh, just thank you all for your investment in our student ministry. I see a lot of students in here, my people, I love y'all, but also a lot of parents, grandparents, uh, even just Uh, church support. Uh, I was telling our eight o'clock service that one of the uh, most beautiful things uh, about this church, and this is coming from a quote uh, from uh, a guy that I look up to in student ministry world, um, that we don't have quiet hallways. Uh, And that's just exciting to me. That The hallways are not Uh, quiet. If you know anything about kids and student ministry or anything about this church, we do not have quiet hallways. We own our very loud hallways and that is a testament to the next generation being reached for the gospel. Uh, And it really is happening um, from kids ministry to student ministry um, and on throughout all of our life groups. We really are uh, reaching the next generation with the gospel and they are living on mission in our community uh, nationally and globally. And that is all a testament to the good work that you all are doing. Uh, in the life of this church. Uh, man, I, I'll introduce myself. My name is Alec, uh, Alec Ammons. I'm a student minister. Uh, Michael already said that, so y'all are getting double doses of introductions. Um, but this is my wife, Ashley. Uh, she is awesome. If y'all don't know her, get to know her. She right, That's right, come on. Y'all go, y'all go yeah, that's right. Uh, man, she's the best. We are uh, 48 days, around 48 days. Uh, it's an exact number, but you know, away from having our first kid, uh, we're having a son. My goodness, uh, pray for us. Wow. Um, that's, it's like seven weeks, but when you, you say 48 days, it's like, oh, goodness, my Lord. Um, but... And it, we, we really just love this church, love the community, uh, and we're excited uh, not only just for the joy of new life, but to bring a, a child into this church family. Um, we've got such great examples uh, of uh, awesome champions of the faith that we are excited our, our kid gets to look up to. So, uh, man, just really appreciate this church family. Um We've been walking over the past few weeks in the book of Galatians talking about uh, living life centered, being centered uh, on the gospel. And so... um, Today is kind of a continuation of last week's text. Uh, Pastor, or Pastor Lucas Lucas, uh, he brought the word last week. Man, I'm me and Lucas are really good friends. That's a proud friend moment right there last Sunday. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should go back and watch it because it's awesome. Um, but it, this is really a continuation of Paul's words uh, in Galatians 5. So if you want to turn with me to Galatians 5, uh, verses 16 through 26. Uh, and as you're finding your place, I'm just going to give kind of a brief overview of what Lucas talked about because really it is, these passages go hand uh, in hand. Uh, Paul, uh, Lucas talked about how Paul gave us this formula uh, for how we should live our life because we have the freedom found in Christ. And so we are supposed to live life in freedom to serve others in love. And so that was kind of the the crux of Lucas's message. And this text that we're going to read today, it shows us that, um, This this freedom serves into the greater story of Galatians and specifically living a gospel-centered life. Today, we're going to be reading about how Paul calls us to observe the fruit that comes from the freedom that Lucas talked about uh, last week. Our text today is going to illustrate kind of two kinds of fruit, this fruit of the spirit and fruit of the flesh. And so uh, as we uh, just dive into God's word, we're going to be reading Galatians 5, 16, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Pray with me as we get started this morning. Father God, Lord, we come humbly before you. God, uh, just Open to your word, Lord, I pray as we spend time dissecting this passage, God, that's so familiar, God, this passage that so often uh, we hear in kids ministry or in student ministry or just as we're we're walking through scripture, Father, Lord, I just pray that you would reveal to us uh, the truth that comes from this word. Lord, I I ask that you uh, would make me lesser and make your name greater this morning, we pray this in your son's name, amen. You know, before we get into the real meat of this passage, I have to say, you know, Lucas last week, uh, he got a passage about not biting one another and devouring one another, very kids ministry, uh, not biting one another. I'm getting one about, uh, you know, fleshly desires, real student ministry. I think we're seeing some common themes here um, I, I don't know, we'll talk to James about that. But uh, we we are looking this morning specifically about a, an essential part of the Christian walk. Uh, and it's this need to examine oneself. It's this need to, to look into uh, into yourself, into what you're doing and examine how you are walking in faith. Last week, Lucas was talking about how, you know, we we have this life group that we lead together uh, and what we've been doing over the past uh a year or so, we've been meeting for, for almost a year. And uh, so we spent the first six months, we were just walking through scripture. We would open up God's word, read it a few times, and then talk about what it said and how it applied to us. And so uh, the kind of new thing that we're doing since Christmas has been, we've been walking through spiritual disciplines in addition to walking through scripture. And one of the ones, it was one of the first ones we did, was the spiritual discipline of examination. And looking through your day and through your week or your month and examining how you are walking the faith that you're proclaiming. And so this scripture is one of those that I think points to this specifically. Specifically when we're talking about examination, just one page over, one chapter over in Galatians 6, it talks about examining one's work in the context of Christian fellowship. And then in 1 Corinthians, it tells us to examine ourselves before communion. And so we see this as a a biblical principle of something that we should be doing. And Galatians Galatians 5 gives us an idea of what we are to be examining. Galatians 5, it gives us this idea. And specifically, we are looking for the growth and development of spiritual fruit in our lives. We are looking for the growth and development of spiritual fruit in our lives. And so to understand how we can examine this spiritual fruit, let's walk through the text again and and let's see these markers that we should be looking for for examination. We're going to start verse 16 uh, through 18. It says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The first big thing that we have to understand is that flesh and spirit are in eternal tension. Flesh and spirit are in eternal tension. Verse 16, it points us to this, this tension, this flesh versus spirit. And so we need to understand, verse 16 says, but I say walk by the spirit. So who is it that walks by the spirit? See, we see this in Romans eight fourteen. It tells us for all who are led by the spirit are called children of God. So we understand that simply to walk in the spirit, it means that we must have an understanding and belief in Jesus. To walk in the spirit, we have to understand the sacrifice of Jesus. We have to be called children of God. We have to understand the sacrifice of Jesus. Paul is telling us, we have to have faith in Christ. It comes with faith. We have to have faith in Christ. And that is our first and foremost defense in this battle between flesh and spirit, is our faith in Christ the result of this gets laid out in John 20. So we see when we have faith in Christ, John 20 tells us that we then receive the Holy Spirit. We place our faith in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, and that allows us to walk in the Spirit. The Spirit gives us this, this guide stone, and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about what the Spirit gives us here in just a minute, but the Spirit gives us a guide stone that helps us pattern our lives after the character Of Christ, the Spirit gives us this guidestone that helps us pattern our lives uh, over, or our lives on the nature and character of Christ. Uh, Boyce puts it this way: Life by the Spirit is neither legalism nor license, nor a middle way between them. It is a life of faith and love that is above all these false ways. So we see this verse 16, it gives us the framework. We have to have an understanding of Christ. Verse 17 starts to talk about this tension between flesh and spirit between flesh and spirit. And so this phrase, desires of the flesh, Paul is using this over and over and over in our text today. He talks about the desires of the flesh and what are those desires of the flesh? Well, actually, desires of the flesh, some translations say lusts of the flesh. And really, when we hear those, our tendency is to kind of launch into our own definition of what desires or lusts of the flesh is. And we have some pretty standard things that we go to when we hear desires of the flesh or words like lust. But the, the original language, it gives us so much more than the low-hanging fruit that is just the sexual temptation or physical desire. The word that's used is epithemia, meaning the deepest longings or our motivated desires. See, Paul is not just talking about those things that are, that are really obvious and visible. Paul is talking about the deepest motivations of our hearts, those things that are found in our innate humanity, it goes beyond our physical sin. It jumps all the way to our motivating desires. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna pause at verse 17. We'll come back to verse 18 here in a minute. We're gonna pause at verse 17 so we can get a better understanding of what Paul is talking about when he talks about these motivating desires, these desires of the flesh. We're gonna look at verse 19 through 21 where he's gonna lay out what, this, what these are. So he says this, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is this telling us? It tells us that a flesh-centered life leads to separation. A flesh-centered life leads to separation. We have, Paul gives us, what are the desires of the flesh? He tells us all of these things. And parents, I know you're looking forward to explaining those things later. But all of these things, he lays all these out for us. And these, they, they're, a list of sins, fleshly desires, but they're no means an exhaustive list. Paul could have Paul spent way more time on this and, and listed even more things. But he specifically says, and things like these to maybe save some, some parchment. And he, he makes it very clear that these, while it's not an exhaustive list, they give us a framework of things that may cause a believer to stumble. And so we have to take note of these. One of the things I love about this passage, and, and I think we kind of miss this because it's really easy. You know, this passage is the fruit of the spirit, right? And we all know the song, the fruit of the spirit's not a coconut, whatever. I don't really know how it goes. But like we have this, we have these songs. We, you know, we sing them in, in kids ministry, student ministry, like we know them. But we often like to separate out the, the fruit of the spirit because they're so good. We separate them from this hard truth of Paul is laying up, Hey, this is the desires of our flesh, and here is the fruit of the spirit. So we have to take notice of what he is saying here. This middle section, it, it takes it beyond just, you know, we 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 know it's not an exhaustive list, but it takes it beyond physical sin when he says things like jealousy, anger, rivalries, division, he is getting at our human nature. He is getting at our sinful nature. He is, he is touching on something that, that should strike a chord with everybody, those things that just are us, our our natural inclination to lean away from God. These these desires, they stem from Genesis, specifically Genesis 3. As we see Adam and Eve, uh, they, they eat of the fruit. But, but it's interesting, if you read that over again, they're eating of the fruit for very human reasons. They're eating of the fruit because it looks delicious. It looks beautiful. And then they also know that it's going to give them something that they cannot have, that God has instructed them to, to abstain from. And so they they have, yes, they have this physical desire if I'm gonna gain something, but they also have this human desire if it just looks better and it looks the way that I want to look, so I'm gonna pursue after that. And and the enemy loves that. He loves to take those things and, and twist them around. And and if you read in, in Genesis, we see that, that he uses very strategic words and 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 manipulates what God has said and 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 really starts to paint this picture that that speaks to their own desire, their own human nature. So it's so important that as we're reading this, we realize that each of us has this innate human desire that leans us towards sin, that leads us towards flesh desires. And, and for us, you know, it, it may not be, it it isn't this fruit that's gonna give us all these things, but it could just be, you know, i'm gonna do a little bit of jesus right i'm gonna put like jesus as the as the tagline that's the bumper sticker on my car but it's like a really nice car and so i'm gonna i'm gonna gotta get the car maybe it's just your job you're always pursuing something that's that's more you know you've got Jesus but it's so much more about the connections that you can make while you're at church right it's so much more about how you can build up your career maybe it's it's your boat maybe it's your house whatever it is but But the thing is, our flesh desires, they have a tendency to spread out to those around us. And specifically speaking from a, a student ministry perspective, we often start to take our fleshly desires and we start to place them on our kids. We start to place them on those that we have an influence over. And we prior, prioritize just a little bit of Jesus and a lot of other things. A little bit of Jesus, a lot of AP classes. A little bit of Jesus, a lot of extracurriculars. A little bit of Jesus and a really great three-point shot. Whatever it is. And so this fleshly desire gathers all around us and, and, it, and it messes up our, our priorities. Uh, Ashley and I, when we were doing our premarital counseling, we were doing it with a guy. His name is David Anderson. He's uh, a really great uh, you know, example. He was called out of the, the corporate world and into ministry. And so he's got this really cool story and I remember sitting down with him at a Chipotle um, and I was like, we about to do premarital in a Chipotle? Like, I know people that work here. Like, I don't wanna do premarital up in the Chipotle, all right, uh-uh, I come here too much. I don't want them knowing my business. But I remember he took out a Chipotle napkin and he, he was like, let's just write down your priorities, Alec. What, what, what do you prioritize? And you know, I was, in, I was early in ministry and I was like, Jesus, number one, Right? Right answer. Yeah. It's like prices, right? Not price, is right? Family feud. There it is. Um, but and then I was like, well, you know, I'm not married yet, so maybe my job, right? My job is my next priority. Because I'm in ministry, right? And and that's gotta be, that's so, that's so it's so important, and it really is important, so it's gotta be right at like Jesus' ministry. And then I was like, well, I've got friends, I have family, I've gotta, you know, I'm gonna put them somewhere and you actually know, Ashley fits in there somewhere. Sorry. Uh and I just remember he, he was like, you've got this all wrong. One, I know how you live. David Dave and I, were, we worked together. You know, I, I knew him very well. He knew that Jesus was not the priority in my life. I was saying that, because when you're in church and somebody says a question, you say Jesus. That's what you do. But I, I, he goes, I know that Jesus isn't actually at the start, so what is? I was like, it's probably my ministry, and he goes, well, what do you prioritize after that? I'm like, probably, you know, friends, family. He's like, well, where's Ashley? I'm like, she's somewhere, sorry again. And I, I just remember he turned the whole list upside down and said, it's Jesus, and then it's Ashley, and then it's your family, and then it's, and then your work is at the, and, and it was all because Jesus is at the start. And what Jesus prioritizes is the relationship that you have with your spouse, and then the relationship that you have with your family. And then it, it kind of spans out from there. And I remember just feeling this conviction of like my own fleshly desires to be successful, my own fleshly desires to, to, to see my, all my dreams come true and my, my own fleshly desire to make my life the way I wanted to be was all for naught because Jesus wasn't at the center. And so Ashley keeps this in her, in her wallet. She, like we have, like either I wrote it out or it's the actual Chipotle napkin uh, and she can like show it to me when I'm, she doesn't do that often, but I, I mean, yeah, she does, but it's fine. Um, so we, we, she has this and it's a great guidestone in our marriage where I can look back and say, man, my priorities are all messed up because my fleshly desire gets in the way. My flesh." wants things that are contrary to Jesus. And so what we see in the latter half of verse 21 is Paul kind of hard stops while he's writing. And it's really easy to gloss over this because it's not like its own verse or whatever, but it's really easy to to gloss over this. He hard stops and delivers a very sobering warning that we have to take note of this morning. It is so important that y'all hear this. He points us to the truth that pursuing the desires of the flesh results in us not inheriting the kingdom of God. The desires of the flesh result in our not inheriting the kingdom of God. Our desires, whether they are, as we see in the context of this passage, that the Judaizers are adding to the gospel or whether we see this a lot in culture where we wanna subtract from the gospel if Christ is not at the center, whether it's legalism or whether it's lawlessness, the result is the same. And so we see Paul lays out this big laundry list. Again, it's, it's not exhaustive, but he, he gives us this list and, and it's all about the lawlessness that we fall into when we fall away or when we aren't prioritizing Christ, when Christ isn't at the center. And the reality is if lawlessness is not central, sorry, if lawlessness is central, we submit to an unrooted Christianity that is focused on our own desire despite Christ's provision of salvation. If lawlessness is central, if, we are, if lawlessness is central in our life, we're gonna do whatever we wanna do, we submit to a unrooted Christianity not rooted in God's word against what God says that is focused on our own desire despite Christ's provision of salvation. We have to understand that we, God has given us the gift of grace so that we could then glorify him, not so we can do whatever we want. He's given us grace through the cross so that we can live in honor of him, not so we can just sin freely and use the get out of jail free card at the end. But it's really easy when we read this text, when we read this laundry list of of don'ts, it's really easy to slip into legalism. Because what we do, I know this is what I do, is, is we're like, oh my goodness, it gives us a framework. It gives us things that we can, if we're not doing these things, I can check, okay, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. Then we're good, right? We've made it. But Paul gives us the warning in verse 18. I told you we we're gonna go back to it. Verse 18, he says this. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In the context that Paul is writing, this church in Galatia is dealing with these Judaizers, and they are they're coming into the, to this church and they're saying, Hey, yeah, Jesus is great, but also let's add in circumcision as a part, of, a part of this whole salvation thing. Like you really can't be a Christian if you're not doing that, right? And, they, and they're adding this law, this Jewish law, to the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection. And so in verse 18, Paul tells us that if we are led by the Spirit, we are following God. It is not Jesus plus anything, It's only the gospel. It's not Jesus plus circumcision. It is only the gospel. And so Paul is reminding the Galatian church that despite the tension that they're in the middle of to go back to this old covenant, we have the new covenant that's established through the cross and the empty tomb. And that is good news. That is such good news if we're honest with ourselves, we, we have a temptation to do this. You know, maybe we're we're not so lawless and we're like, you know, we can, I check all the boxes, like I don't do all those things, but we have this tendency and this temptation that we want to center our lives around gospel plus. It's not Paramount, it's not Disney, it's just gospel plus, right? We, we wanna add a little bit to it, right? Maybe it's plus a program or, or plus a worship style, plus a certain teacher a certain leader, a certain leadership style, a certain way we should do things, a certain structure. But it is not any of that. It is just the gospel being centered on the gospel. We have this idea of lawlessness being unrooted and we just throw away Christ's provision of salvation. But if legalism is central, if legalism is central, we submit to a mechanical Christianity that is focused on our own ability to provide our own salvation. We get into this works-based faith of if I do these things, if I check these boxes, if I push go on the, on the machine, it's going to move and, and Christianity can be a little bit more robotic and yes, and I do that and I don't do that and so I'm good. And we start to forget the truth of the gospel and we want to provide our own salvation it's so easy for us to slip into this legalism. So easy. But ultimately, it comes from those desires of our hearts. It goes back to this tension, flesh, spirit. Constantly in tension. We have wants. Paul talks about his own struggle with the desires of his flesh in Romans seven fifteen through 20. He says this, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want but I do the very things I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. See, Paul tells us, there's a lot of do's and wants and I do's and whatever. But what Paul is saying is, we have to understand that our human desire, this flesh versus spirit, we have sin within us, This is Paul talking, right? He's the the writer of all these great great letters and great apostle. Like we have, he is illustrating that even he has this tension to go back to the flesh, that even he has this tension that, that he can't seem to do what he wants to do. He can't seem to just follow God the way that he wants to follow God because this flesh keeps getting in the way. We're talking about examining ourselves, examining our lives, we can examine our lives and see if we're giving into the desires of the flesh. We can look at those things. We can, we can ask those questions. Am I being a little bit legalistic? Am I being a little bit lawless? But, but how can we begin to move from a life centered on the flesh to a life centered on the spirit? Verses 22 through 26 give us that great news. Verse 22 starts, but. So in contrast, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another envying one another God has promised us we talked about how earlier John 20 gives us this promise when we put our faith in Christ we get to receive the spirit and God has promised us his spirit and when we abide in him we will see the fruit of his spirit and our tendency kind of, I know this is my tendency, I'm guessing it's yours, is kind of like you maybe see these on Facebook or, or social media or like you're just scrolling the internet or whatever, but it's like, which fruit of the spirit are you? Take this short quiz. Like, that's kind of the way we view these. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm the love spirit. Like, that's me. Like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the joy fruit. Mm-hmm. Like, we're pairs, I don't know. Like, we have this idea. Like, this, this language, fruit means one fruit, It's not a a cacophony of fruits, it's one fruit. It is the singular fruit of the Spirit and it has all of these parts and all of it is a result of walking with the Lord. All of it is the result of abiding in Christ. As we walk with God, we can examine our daily life and we should see all of this singular fruit, that's a weird, really weird way to say that, but we, we can see all of this singular fruit, all of these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And we just do that simply by asking, where was I aware of living out the fruit of the Spirit today? Where did I do this? Where, where, did, where did this happen? Where was God working through me so I could see his fruit? And then asking, where was the absence of the fruit and here's kind of the warning with that it's not where can I do it I'm gonna just do it I'm gonna be more loving I'm gonna do it I'm gonna be more patient despite the tourists that are driving in Niceville right now like I'm gonna do it I promise that's not it it's not in our own strength it's Christ in us working through us it's living in the abiding life of being in the presence of Jesus that's what it takes but why do we have the fruit why The fruit of the spirit is intentionally given to us to answer this this battle that we see in the first part of our scripture, where we see this battle of flesh versus spirit. The fruit of the spirit helps us walk in that. It's intentionally given, given to us so we can fight against the flesh and follow the example of the person that is Christ. It's given to us to follow the example of the person that is Christ. Personally, I know I have a tendency to, to just lean into this, this checkbox. Like, I have love, I have joy, I have peace, I have patience, yay. Ashley may disagree with some of those. But, you know, yeah, so we have these things. We, we check those boxes. I know that that's my tendency is we, we check the boxes. And when, when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, Alistair Begg has this great quote. These characteristics are not attached externally. They are produced by grace and provide evidence of the transforming power of the spirit. This is a beautiful portrait of a holy, godly Christ life, Christ-like life. They're not just something that we can attach to ourselves. They're not something that we can pick up. They're not something that we can hold, but they are the, the abundant fruit of walking in relationship With Christ. Because a spirit centered life leads to connection. A spirit centered life leads to connection. We have this connection with Christ through the Spirit. When we're centered around Jesus, when we're centered around Christ, we are connected to Him. We are connected to the God that bore the cross so that we can see his fruit. And if you're one of the kind of people, I kind of like to do this sometimes. Uh, I, I like to ad lib the, like, oh, can I guess what they are in the sermon notes? This is your opportunity. You're gonna get them all right. Because each one of the fruit of the spirit, they are characteristics of Jesus, so when we're abiding in him, we get to see the fruit. We can have the fruit of the spirit. They're characteristics of Jesus. Love laid out in John. And these are just one example for each one of each of the fruit of the spirit. There's more than this, but we see that love. John 15, nine through 13, as the father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my Love. Joy, Hebrews 12, one through 15, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy, it was Christ's joy that he bore the cross for our sins. We see peace, John 14, 27 through 28. My peace I give to you. He is the Prince of Peace. He gives us his peace freely. Patience, 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16. Christ might display his perfect patience. I don't know about y'all, but Jesus is patient with me. His kindness. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior Appeared His goodness, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Faithfulness, Hebrews 2, 16 through 18. He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Gentleness, take up my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Self-control, Luke 4, 1 through 13 is one of the greatest illustrations of self-control because Jesus is in the desert being tempted by the devil himself. Jesus has been fasting for 41 days and he could do it. He could totally make the bread. He could save it all. He could do it all. But instead he exercises self-control for the goodness of God. Church, don't miss this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, they are all who Christ is. You want to know who Jesus is, there it is. The same God, each one of, there's so many of those, where it is, he is laying down his life, intentionally laying down his life for the joy so that we could have connection with him for the goodness of God. We see this in, in church. We have to understand, do we want these things? We want to be in connection with God. We want to experience this incredible spirit-centered life that, that connects us with, with Jesus. We have to understand that it starts with our saving knowledge of the cross. Do you know Jesus this morning? Do you know Jesus, do you know this loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled God, who in his perfect and beautiful majesty came down to earth to walk among sinners, to die on a cross, and to leave a tomb empty, not so that it would not so that he could walk out of it, but so that we could look into it and see that it is empty, that we could have evidence of the goodness of our God. Do you know Jesus this morning? Maybe you're, you're already starting to do this, this evaluation. You're already starting to do this, this uh, yeah, evaluation. That's the only word I can think of. You're, and, and you're thinking of, man, I don't see these fruit in my life. I don't see the joy. I don't see the patience. I don't see the love. I don't see the kindness. My question is, do you know Jesus? Because the fruit are his characteristics. Have you turned your life over to him so that you can inherit the kingdom of God and then receive the gift of the fruit as John 20 tells us? Do you know Jesus? A spirit-centered life leads to connection with God. When we have our lives centered on the person of Christ, we will see the fruit of the Spirit flowing from us. We begin to reflect all that Jesus is and everything that he has done so that we may know him. We may know the Jesus that died and rose from the grave. There's a sobering warning again at the end of this passage in verses 25 and 26. 26. Verses 25 and 26 just say this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I remember growing up, um, I've got two older brothers, uh, and so we were a very hungry bunch. Um, and, you know, this is, I'm built by little Debbie, um, and so. I, I I'm just discovering this fruit thing. Have y'all have y'all heard of fruit? It's cool. Um, but my mom, uh, loving us and wanting us to be healthy, you know, we could scrounge past the the fudge rounds and the oatmeal cream pies, and there would be fruit. It was there. You just had to look for it. Uh, and my mom is an interior decorator, uh, and so fruit bowls are very interior decoratory, I guess. And uh, in our fruit bowl, there was also fake fruit. And so I remember very vividly my my dad coming home one day hungry from a hard day's work and you know it's before dinner you got to have the snack right and so he goes to the bowl he pushes past the oatmeal cream pie surprisingly and he 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 picks up this beautiful red apple I mean man picture perfect the apple logo was modeled after this logo uh, or after this fruit and I, I just it was I, you could just sense it like man this is going to be a good apple you know those good apples? And so he, he just, you know, he goes for it, right? He takes a big bite and there's this crunch and it's a weird crunch. It's kind of got a squeak to it and he pulls away and it's just like styrofoam. And he's like, what in the world? He had grabbed a fake apple and he had taken this huge bite of this fake apple. Right next to it was real fruit that gave real sustenance. The enemy loves to paint fruit, fake fruit, the fruit of the flesh, to look just like the fruit of the Spirit. We see this in culture, you know this. Love, it just veils itself, or sorry, lust, it just veils itself as love. Temporary success and happiness, oh man, it just veils itself as the true joy that's found through Jesus, amazing vacations and, and, and temporary getaways. They're just veils of perfect peace that we can walk in every day with Christ. Giving money pridefully and, and donating things so that one, you can have a little bit less stuff in your house or, or it's, just, and it's just, man, I'm gonna drop the, the coins that way. It makes the noise, right? We have clear warnings about that. It's just veiled as kindness. We could keep going but if we examine in our hearts, and we're gonna, I'm gonna give you a moment to do this. I'm just gonna kind of let it be quiet for a moment. I'm gonna pray we're gonna let it be quiet for a moment. I'm gonna ask you to examine your heart. Do you know Jesus? Are you experiencing the joy that comes from knowing him and experiencing his fruit? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us. And I just want you to, if you're a believer, I want you to, to, to seek out where is that fake fruit that I'm putting my hope in? And where, where am I seeing the production of God's fruit? And then for the under, uh, unbeliever, my only question, the only thing to reflect on today is, do you really know Jesus. Have you really centered your life around him? Have you surrendered it all? Have you put all of the chips on the table and say, Jesus, this is all I got. Come and transform me. So I'm gonna pray and I'm just gonna let it sit for a minute. I'm gonna say one more thing and we'll pray and then worship. Father God, Lord, I just pray as we spend a second examining our hearts. God, I pray that you would uh, open up our hearts our ears to hear your voice in this moment, Father. That we could have a moment of true examination, Lord. That we could really see the the joy of your fruit in our lives. That we could see these amazing characteristics of Christ portrayed, Father, in who we are. So church family, just take a second. It's not gonna be too long. Just take a second. Just ask God, Lord, where my seeing the fruit. And if you don't know Jesus, this is my invitation to call out to him for salvation. Father, as we look to you today, I pray, God, that you would reveal to us your goodness. It's in your name I pray, amen. There's a quote uh, from a book on discipleship because maybe you're leaving this time and you're a little like, oh, gosh, I don't feel that fruit. It's a book on discipleship and it just says, in the small seeds of plants lie hid both bulk and branches, bud and fruit, every great oak tree started small. Your faith may be small and, and frankly, your, your walk, it may lack mileage, but Christ is with you every step of the way and every stumble. And right now, he's right beside us. Pray with me as we close. Father God, Lord, I just, I thank you for our time this morning, God. I thank you for your word, Lord, and I thank you that you can take a small seed and, and grow it into an amazing tree that bears fruit, Father God, your fruit, Lord, and I pray as we uh, just spend time calling out your name, God, worshiping you, Lord, that you would just convict our hearts, God, to rely on you more in this eternal battle of flesh and spirit. We pray this in your son's name, amen.